So Genesis 41, uh, good chapter. I like this chapter. It's, 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 uh, it, was very, it was a lot of fun preparing the Bible study. Um, if, if we, before we begin, I'd like to take us back to Genesis chapter 15, verses 13 and 14. So we're reminded of the promise that God had made to Abraham, or, or some of the events involved in the promise. Uh, in that, in that uh, chapter and verse, God told Abraham, Know certainly that your uh, descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, and will serve them, and they will afflict them for 400 years. And also the nation whom they serve I will judge, and afterward they shall come, up with, come out with great possessions. Um, God's promises, my friends, are never broken. Uh, we as men, at some point we've broken promises, have we not? Whether intentionally or because of other circumstances. God, however, never breaks his promises. Uh, what we see here is the continuation of the fulfillment of the promise to Abraham with Joseph taking the center stage. Now, we are all familiar with Joseph's story. Uh, I cling to the story of Joseph and Potiphar's house. The reason I do that is because I'm a single man. Okay. And uh, believe it or not, despite my appearances, there are temptations out there. Okay. I've, yeah. You might look at me and say, really? Gr- girls hit on you? Yeah, they do. Okay, And I know they're not Christians. So, <laughs> so I, I'm the king of self-deprecation. So, so. Um, just let my sister hear this because she, she doesn't like when I do that. Anyhow... Uh, Joseph, when he ran, right, from Potiphar's wife, I, mean, I cling to that. And Joseph is, is, is someone who I think about daily. I, I always remind myself to run like Joseph if things get hot or if the situation becomes one that will just compromise my walk in the Lord. Uh, so, again, Joseph in Potiphar's house goes sent to jail, meets the baker and the butler, right, asks, and, of course, reveals their dreams, interprets their dreams, and the butler get, or the baker gets hung and then the butler forgets about him for a couple of years and so forth. But we see that through it all, uh, and I'll reiterate this point again later, Joseph doesn't compromise. And I think we need to focus on one of the issues we need to focus on. So uh, we will witness his rise to a position of authority in Egypt, second in command actually, if you want to look at it that way. And so we will examine this event in Joseph's life. But insofar as application for you men this evening, um, I'm going to... This is what the Lord gave me, and I'm hoping it, it ties in. And if it doesn't, then God will fix any problems that I may cause. But I would like to focus on Joseph's age at the time of his appointment in Egypt. He was 30 years old. Um, many have surmised that uh, the prime of a man's life is generally between the ages of 27 and 35. Uh, it is during this time that ideally... Most men uh, are established at work or in some manner of career. Uh, and in many cases, they are married. Each of us is different. I can say with certainty, I didn't have a prime. Uh, the blessings that I have and where I work now came after the age of 35. Okay? Whereas some of you have experienced a prime. So what I'm going to do is, as we're reading, I'd like to um, address two demographics this evening. Uh, the young men under 30, young men here in college or whatever they're doing and approaching those, those, uh, those uh, prime years or perhaps already in them. And, of course, the brothers like me who are way past 30. Uh-huh. You know who you are, right? I can't tell just by looking at you, but 
You know who you are. Um, remember that God doesn't do things randomly. His time and timing is, is perfect. And I, I feel that Joseph's age of discussion, uh, keeping that in, in the uh, arena as I speak, is significant to his appointment. Uh, would he have been given the task at a later age? God can do anything. But I think it's it's important that everything we see in Scripture, we should take with all seriousness and inspect and, and consider. Um, so as we know, Joseph suffered through hardships and uh, trial in preparation for his task as the head of the stores of grain during the famine. Uh, everything in Potter, Potiphar's house was under his command or control, except for the wife, obviously. And then in the prison, he was made a captain of the guard. So he had experience, right? He had known destitution, and he also knew uh, uh, exaltation. So I think that the Lord was obviously preparing him, giving him those, during the, as he begins these prime years of his life, for that role of leadership. Um, so, uh, and eventually, of course, he was named the head of the stores of grain during the famine. Now, for some of you, again, you young people, your prime years are approaching or have indeed begun. Uh, and I ask you, are you prepared? Have you considered those Youth fades quickly. Okay? The older gentleman can attest to that. I, I can still remember when I was 18. And uh, Do I want to go back? No, I was a moron at 18. Okay? I really was. I, I like the me now, serving the Lord. Right? But you young men, consider what, where God, what God has done. And if you're already, say, somewhere around 28 to 30 years old or what have you, what's going on now? Okay? Are you prepared for whatever God has for you? The blessings, the, the responsibilities that he has for you? Consider that. And those of you, are there any younger men here? Just are you walking in Christ as you head up to those years? Um, and then, of course, uh, will the years be blessed by the Lord? Or are some of you actually dreading turning 30? In the world, it was, oh, I don't want to turn 30 because I'm going to be old. But we approach things differently in Christ, right? Our attitude's different. We don't look at age as something to, to fear, but rather another year in the Lord, closer to that blessing of eternity with Him. I think, you know, so, and then as a result, our, our attitude is indeed different. Um, and then, of course, uh, know that young people, as I'm talking to you, know that there will be times of droughts and blight, but there will also be years of plenty and growth in the Lord. And of course, for my brothers over 30, uh, I also ask how, how your walk is as well. And I do that every time because I want to be circumspect. I want to make sure that I'm walking in the Lord uh, at all times. Um, and for the older gentlemen, did you come through the lean years, those, those prime years, in whether they were lean or whether they were beneficial, with a wisdom and strength for the home stretch? Or do you look back at them with bitterness? And if that's the case, forget them. Okay? Whatever, however you spent those prime years, if you spent them as a believer, then the young person at 30 versus the person at 55 or whatever it is, 50, because I'm 50 years old now, you should be in a better position, wiser, stronger in your walk with Christ, not uh, struggling or struggling as you did when you weren't a believer, or compromising. So take that into consideration as God fulfills His promise through the story, but also uh, as we focus on Joseph and how God's using him as a young man. So again, let us examine ourselves this evening, gentlemen. 
let us approach this, chap- approach this chapter with a joy that God fulfills his promises. Okay? The good work he began in you, he's faithful to complete it. So always remember that. Um, and then, of course, let us also approach it with a solemn understanding of our role as men and leaders. Um, I've always been a reluctant leader. I will, I will sit back and wait to be asked to participate or to lead the charge. But when called upon, even before I was a believer, I'd say, okay, no problem. I'll try it out. Um, and ironically, when there was a class assignment as a young man, I'd always they say, can we have volunteer to go first? And I'd always go first. So I always say that as the Lord, some of us have that ability to leave rather than others. You work, function better as a component of the larger picture. But uh, regardless of where you're at, Joseph was primed to be a leader, and the Lord prepared him through his trials and his triumphs before Egypt, uh, before uh, Pharaoh's court, rather. Um, Joseph could have easily lost heart during uh, each of his trials, but he did not. He approached each situation with perseverance and his capabilities won him quick advancement. Now, he was granted, again, authority in Potiphar's house, in prison, and eventually in Egypt. But note this, however. The reason that Joseph succeeded and was blessed by the Lord is, again, he did not compromise. I need to make that clear to all of us, myself included, He did not compromise. Joseph never succumbed to the temptations of the world. As a result, the Lord prospered his activities. He found favor. Wherever he was at, he found favor. Now, I am in a position of authority as an instructor at the college level. I'm not working with young kids. I'm working with sometimes they're 17-year-olds. But for the most part, my, my students are true freshmen, 18 and 19 years old. And over the years, I've heard the rumors, I've heard the stories of professors abusing, male professors, abusing their authority as instructors and either dating or sleeping with their students. And, of course, as a believer, I have to be careful. Uh, There have been times that my students have attempted such actions. You get a desperate young woman who wants to pass the class but isn't doing well, and we'll proposition you. So who's going to know? Right? If I meet her off campus, who's going to know? No one's going to know. And I might just get away with it, or will I? But I remember again, I recall Joseph and Potiphar's house. And as far as I'm concerned, the office, my office, my classroom, the campus, it's God's, God's house. Treated and everything I do, I do for the Lord. So I've had to deal with those situations, but I know that if I compromise, everything could be ruined, could be just destroyed for one season of sin, one moment. And I ask you gentlemen to consider your walk, wherever you are, whether you're at work, whether you're in college, whether you're in retirement, and you, wherever you're at, please be careful, right? You may have advanced in age. Maybe you can't run the 100-meter dash anymore. But you can still run like Joseph. Still run from sin and compromise. And I think it's important that we acknowledge that. And I I do so as well because I know what the enemy's doing. I know what he's trying to do. Now, of course, what I do is I kick them out of my office. I I report them to the English department. I I don't 
hide it or say, okay, I'm whatever, she's crazy. No, I, I, I go full bore with, you know, and make sure they know their consequences, that this professor won't compromise. Because like I said, there have been some horrible stories that I've heard and a lot of scandal. And you would think there isn't scandal, right? In the English department with all that Shakespeare you read and all the, you know, the ivory tower. But yeah, there's scandal there too. Uh, but anyway, getting back to my point is that Joseph did not, Compromise. So God brought Joseph to Egypt as a teenage slave. He was a young man. His brothers sold him. And now at 30, he was positioned as second in command, or second in place, rather, uh, in the kingdom of Egypt. So again, what about us tonight as we get into the word? Um, young men, are you approaching the prime years with righteousness and an uncompromising spirit? Okay? God is preparing you for many, many things, my young friends for leadership or for marriage, whatever it might be, let's pray that you're approaching them unblemished. We're not perfect. We're going to stumble and fall here and there. But let's pray that you guys are indeed approaching them as Joseph did, right? Enduring the trials and still serving the Lord without compromise. Whereas my older brothers, again, are the fruits of those actions during your prime years. Do they continue to bless others, right? Uh, some of us have a hard time with aging, okay? Um, I don't. I don't care. I'm, I'm happy with the way things are. So it doesn't matter to me. But I've known brothers in the Lord in the past who just can't deal with getting older. Yeah. For whatever reasons. Uh, because they're single and they feel that the older they get, the less opportunity they'll have to meet somebody. But we all know that's not true. God, God can do anything, Okay? Now, I try to avoid it, but at 50, if he wants me to get married, you know, I'm going to get married. Okay? It's going to happen if it's God's will, right? Okay, so regardless of where you are at this evening, my friends, know that uh, if you have fully committed your life to Christ and you're serving him, the best is yet to come. Absolutely. Okay? I know that sounds cliched and it sounds like a platitude, but it's true. You know, the best is yet to come if we're believers. All right, now, uh, let me see. Uh, I'm debating whether or not I want to read the entire chapter or should I just go in sections. I think I'll go in sections. Is that all right with you guys? All right, because we'll be here for another 30 minutes with me trying to read this. All right, anyhow. So the theme for tonight's message is God uh, providentially orders events to work out to his purposes. We are used by God to fulfill his purposes. And uh, we don't see that with resentment as believers. We see that as a privilege, I think, right? God would use me, especially someone like me. I mean, I'm. Sometimes I, I just I walk on campus and I just say, "Wow, how did I get here? <laughs> what, I, what, Professor Montana? How did that happen?" Yeah, and I just I humble. I'm humbled by God and how He's worked with me. Because some people in this room know me very well. They know me before uh, the Lord blessed me with the job I have, and they know how I struggled. Right? And they know my lack of ambition as well. Um, do you recognize God's purpose in your life? Think about that. Right? For each of us, it's different. It's going to be very personal. I can't tell you what God's purpose is for you, but do you recognize what his purpose is for you? Today, I had a conference with a student. And um, I don't hide my faith at Cal State LA. No, everyone knows where I stand. They also know I'm conservative and all that stuff. So, you know, in a sea of liberals, I'm the one conservative. There's two conservatives, a PhD and you know, the adjunct professor. But uh, I hide behind him because he can say things like, you know, oh, look at all the Obama zombies when he walks into the mailroom. 
And I just stand behind him going, yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, but the student came in, and uh, it's 10th week. She's not doing well at all. She's likely not going to pass a class and will therefore be disenrolled from the university and have to end up back at a JC, which is not a bad thing, actually, but for kids, it's devastating, right, at that age. So in the course of the conversation we were having about her essay, uh, it's a more personal setting. It's just me and my student, whereas in the classroom, I deal with everybody as a group. During the course of the conversation, she revealed to me that she's only been a year off meth. She's only 18. I wanted to cry right then and there, but I didn't. But more than that, I wanted to pray for her. I, I mean, I could feel the urging of the Holy Spirit saying, pray for this kid right now. But I didn't. I was afraid. I became fearful thinking, well, what if they catch me praying or something like that? As it turns out, I could have prayed for her if I wanted to. It's my office and it's no big deal. I could have prayed for her. But the point I'm getting at with this is that what is my purpose there? I think my purpose is there not only to teach kids how to write better, become more proficient writers, but also to, to, to share the gospel and be a light. And like I said, I do that in class. If we're discussing the Constitution and various amendments, I'll explain to them that uh, we are based in biblical teachings and the, the Constitution was inspired by biblical teachings. And Jefferson, although he wasn't a Christian, was also acknowledged that there was a God. So, and sometimes I'll quote scripture and they look at me like, wait a minute, what is wrong with this guy? He sounds like a Sunday school teacher. And then I tell him that, yeah, I once was. I was a Sunday school teacher. Now I'm an indentured servant in the bookstore. So you know how that goes, right? Anyhow, but recognize God's purpose in your life and what he has for you, my friends. Um, so if we look at verses 1 through 8, it says here, Then there came to pass at the end of two full years that Pharaoh had a dream, and behold, he stood by the river. Suddenly there came up out of the river seven cows, fine-looking and fat, and they, were, and they fed in the meadow. Then behind the seven cows... Came up, uh, came up after them uh, out of the river, uh, ugly and gaunt, seven more, and stood by the other cows on the bank of the river. And the ugly and gaunt cows ate up the seven fine-looking and fat cows. So Pharaoh awoke. He slept and dreamed a second time. And suddenly seven heads of grain came up on one stalk, plump and good. Then behold, seven uh, seven thin heads blighted by the east wind sprang up after them. And the seven heads devoured the seven plump and full heads. So Pharaoh awoke, and uh, indeed it was a dream. Now it came to pass in the morning that his spirit was troubled, and he sent and called for all the magicians, or soothsayers as some translations read it, magicians and wise men. Uh, Let's see, I lost my place. Uh, oh yeah, sorry. I do this in class all the time. And Pharaoh told him his dreams, uh, but there was one who could, uh, well, there was not one who could interpret them for Pharaoh. So here's Pharaoh, and this is two years after uh, the uh, butler or the, the cupbearer, as some translations read, was in prison with uh, Joseph. 
And these are all, again, God's timing. These events are thoroughly planned. They're not happenstance or a random circumstance. Uh, this is all leading to something, obviously, which we, we, we know. And so Pharaoh has a dream, right? Fat cows, skinny cows, nice grain, ugly grain. And uh, it's been two years. So, And since Joseph had pleaded with Pharaoh's butler to present his case before Pharaoh. What, I, what I'm getting from this is that sometimes it feels like God's timing is off, isn't it? We, we, we tend to despair and start to doubt that God's timing isn't what it should be. And we live in an age where everything is instant. That's the problem. And my students, I tell them, you're not the only class I have. I teach four other classes. I have over 100 students. I'll get to your essays and do course. Two days after. I haven't received my essay yet. When are you going to send it? Of course, you know, I want to get in the flesh. And just yell at them, but I don't. I may get a little snarky with them, but you know, they, they, they want everything right now, yesterday, right? I don't know if Joseph felt that way, but certainly being in prison, you're always hoping that the next day is the day of your release, right? Unless, you know, if you don't know when it's going to be. So, God causes Pharaoh to have a dream. The dream of the cows and the grain stalks deeply troubles him. He thus calls his magicians and wise men to interpret the dream, which, which they could not. Uh, of course, this was God's plan. He was setting the stage for Joseph to be used to fulfill his purpose. God's purpose, that is. Right? And then, of course, the butler was indeed present at the time. You know, the, the position of the cupbearer was one who catered to the whim of the king or the pharaoh. Everything that the pharaoh wanted, the, the cupbearer made sure that he uh, procured. Um, when I see this and I see what, what Joseph was enduring, I remember that God has prepared us for many blessings. Okay? They're there for us to have. For some of you, again, you young people, it will be during your prime years, okay? Before you turn 30, or for those of us over 30, the blessings continue. The, the, the years have not been wasted, hopefully. God can work at any stage of your life. Always remember that. So in verses 9 through 13, the cupbearer remembers his faults. Then the chief butler spoke to Pharaoh, saying, I remember my faults this day, when Pharaoh was angry with his servants and put them in the custody of the house of the captain of the guard, both me and the chief baker. We, had each, we each had a dream, and in one night, he and I, uh, each of us dreamed according to the interpretation of his own dream. Now there was a young Hebrew uh, man with us there, a servant of the captain of the guard, and we told him, and he interpreted our dreams to us. Each man he interpreted according to his own dream. And it came to pass, as uh, he interpreted for us, so it happened, he restored me to my office, and he hanged him. That was the Catholic guard hanging the other guy. Okay. Now, here in this event, God again, God's plan continues. God reminds the butler, right, of Joseph during the magician's and the wise men's failure to interpret Pharaoh's dreams. Think about it this way. How are you seen by others? How are you remembered by others? Uh, if, if someone were to conduct an interview of people who work with you, who know you, uh, how would they rate you? How would they evaluate you? Think about that. Right? Do you behave differently out there than you do here? Because here, we do get caught up in the lingo, do we not? <laughs> Praise the Lord, God bless you, and so on. Right? But then when we leave here, we're altogether different people sometimes. It happens. Right? We have to catch ourselves. Um, now, 
at Cal State LA. I don't run around shouting praise the Lord. But people generally, and this is what I've heard, have good things to say. Praise God. Because they see Jesus. That's, that's, that's what it's all about for me. My students, when they evaluate me online or uh, on the website at Cal State LA, for the most part, I get favorable evaluations. And I'm pretty tough. Right? But, again, I honor God with what I do. I make sure that I'm being a good witness. Even if I have to really get on a, a student's case for something, I remember that I serve God. Right? I don't want to crush them but I want to make sure that I'm being righteous and that what they're doing, if it's not correct or if it's a behavior issue in class, that I'm addressing it. You know? So here, the butler finally remembered Joseph and, well, his skills and what he was able to do. Um, so are you someone that your boss or friends or fellow employees or whatever, or employees uh, look to for assistance? Um, how are you, older gentlemen, using uh, your later days or even your retirement? Uh, have you shut down and tuned out thinking, okay, you know, this is it, I'm ready to go, do, you know, I've arrived. We do know that there's still a race to run, correct? So even uh, in the later years, the twilight years as they're often referred to, we are still to be used by the Lord, regardless of what it is, we may have to make ourselves available. Um, and like I said, I'm a workhorse at, at, at the college because I make myself available to teach as many classes as they need me to teach. I mean, that's what I do for a living, so I say, give me, and they always give me four classes, so I'm usually pretty busy. Um, and they always give me a lot of remedial courses. And the thing about that is that uh, those can be very difficult classes because you're dealing with students who uh, can't write. Right? If they were, if, if it was, if, if their life depended on writing a paragraph, they'd be dead. Okay, and my job is to help them overcome those difficulties, right? To get them to write coherently and clearly, and so forth. So we always joke around, and um, I'm known as King of the Remedials, and uh, but I like that title. Okay, it says something that you know, this guy, you need, you have a class of kids who. Can't write? Give him to Montana. Right, he'll work with him. And uh, again, I'm always being asked, uh, there another class might open, and you have three right now, can you handle it? Yeah, I can. But also, I'm, remember, uh, professors are some of the haughtiest people you'll ever meet. Right? They're just full of themselves. I try not to be that way. I carry boxes. Right? I'll take the trash downstairs. Right, if I see one of the secretaries with a trash bag and the, they've called maintenance and maintenance hasn't come by and it's a rather large bag, I'll say, give me that. I'm like, what? No, no, I'll take it down. You know what I mean? It's just because I serve the Lord. I just want to be humble. Right? I, don't, I, I still laugh. Sometimes people will say, hey, professor, I'll laugh. Right, just call me Andy. You know, there's nothing special here. But I'm joyful that I don't compromise and that when they need me or I'm someone that they can go to. They can count on. And I do that because the Lord is obviously a part of that. So as a Christian in the world, you can either be a blessing to others or a burden. Uh, your reputation should not be about greed or ambition right, or, or self-seeking. Uh, it should be about glorifying God. We operate differently, gentlemen, right, wherever we're at. Some of you are very gifted, very talented, very intelligent people. Right? Some of you young people as well. 
Um, bless the Lord in class. When called upon to answer questions, do so, right? With the brain God gave you, but also do so humbly before the Lord. Right? Let's look at verses 14 through 16. It says here, Then Pharaoh sent and called for Joseph, and they brought him quickly out of the dungeon, and he shaved, changed his clothing, and came to Pharaoh. Uh, and Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream and there is no one who can interpret it, but I have heard that you um, can understand a dream to interpret it. So Joseph answered Pharaoh saying, it is not in me. God will give Pharaoh the answer of peace. All right, that's awesome. But I want to focus on the first part. <laughs> Joseph shaved and changed his clothes. Why is that significant? Hmm. Because he's aware of the fact that he would be going to Pharaoh's court. He understood the importance of where he was going. Um, a new life awaits Joseph. You may not know it at this point, but certainly a new life was waiting for him. A new life that must be met with the proper attitude. And that sometimes includes a change of appearance. And again, I, I focus on that because I've had issues with appearance in the past. If I could, I'll be honest with you, gentlemen. If my hair still grew, I'd have it long. You know, I've, I've resisted the urge to grow up and cut it. I just, you know, but God has said, no, no, you need it short. It's a, it's a little shaggy right now, I guess, but I'll fix that later. But yeah, I had issues. And uh, first couple of quarters I taught, I was still, I would wear the sports coat because you throw a sports coat on anything. It's like putting lipstick on a pig. It looks good, right? Okay. Maybe not. That's maybe it's a bad analogy. But So I'd walk in there with you know, my, my pants, my jeans, and my T-shirt, and my sports coat. And there you go. Uh, but eventually my sister and my, my brother Henry, I was like, you know what? They started buying me shirts for Christmas. And I didn't get any fun stuff. I haven't had fun stuff in the last five years. But I realize the importance of that now. You know? And so as much as I would like to have long hair again, it's never going to happen. Because it's thinner and a you know, spider bit me two years ago and there's a nice little hole right here. So I can't grow it long anyway. But the thing I'm getting at is, this was important. He understood the importance of uh, presenting himself uh, in, a, in a, I guess, a, a professional manner as it were. Whatever, my, however you want to interpret it. And the same goes for us, my friends. Hey, this little thing like this, I, I try to I, you know, parse scripture and take out little things that I feel will be useful. And that's how I see it. You might be thinking, oh, that's not it. That's off base. But I felt it was significant. As being a Hebrew, he shaved, right? Changed his clothes. Went to appear before Pharaoh. Now, note also that Joseph gave God the glory, right? Did, didn't hog the glory. Didn't, didn't take all the credit. Whatever we do, again, right? Whether it is grading essays, or building houses, we are to give God the glory in all things. Right? And even in your retirement, if all you did on your day off or on one of your days if you're retired is go in the backyard and pull weeds, then you do it for the Lord. Okay? Everything we do for the Lord. I try to remember that. And it keeps me humble. Otherwise, I know I, how I can be. So, we apply this to our lives by remembering not to deny God His glory and always acknowledge His presence and His hand in your life. Now, as we jump to 17 through 25, uh, there it is, okay. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, 
Behold, he tells him his dream. Behold, in my dream, I stood on the bank of a river. Again, suddenly seven cows came up out of the river, looking, uh, uh, looking fine and fat, and they uh, fed in the meadow. Then behold, seven other cows came up after them, poor and very ugly and gaunt, such ugliness as I have never seen in all the land of Egypt. And the guard, uh, and the gaunt and ugly cows, uh, okay, time for a change. There we go, these are better, I think. Oh, there we go. And the gaunt and ugly, thank you for the light too. And the gaunt and ugly cows uh, ate up the first seven fat cows. When they had eaten them up, no one uh, would have known that they had eaten them, for they were just as ugly at the beginning. So I awoke. I all, also, I saw in my dream, uh, and suddenly uh, seven, heads of, uh, seven heads came up on one stalk, full and good. Then behold, seven heads withered, thin, and blighted by the east wind sprang up after them. And the thin heads devoured the seven good heads. So I told this to the magicians, but there was no one who could explain it to me. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, The dreams of Pharaoh are one. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. All right. And again, glory to God, right? The glory goes to the Lord here. So Pharaoh recounts the dream uh, and Joseph listens. Listening is important. Okay. You, ever had, you ever tried to have a conversation with somebody who doesn't listen? Who is constantly just wants to get their opinion before you've even finished your thought? Okay, I am sometimes guilty of this with my students. I'm listening to them, I'll call upon them, we're discussing a particular issue, and then I'm, I'm so excited to say something, I'll just cut them off. <clears throat> and some of them raise their hand and go, Mr. Montana, I wasn't done yet. Oh, okay, go ahead, go ahead. All right? But Joseph listens. And by listening, he's able to decipher that the dreams are actually one dream. Right? We read this and we say, oh yeah, there's two dreams, he's having two dreams, right? He's having two no, it's actually one dream, but different, you know, different uh, uh, interpretations. Oh, not different interpretations, but certainly different uh, examples for each dream. And they, uh, rather, Joseph, by listening, was able to decipher this. Um, and by listening, right, he's able to inform, uh, again, Pharaoh that God has a plan, like that God is going to do something. And he makes it known that God is going to do something. Okay, not just, okay, this is going to happen in Egypt for this reason. No, God is directing what is going to happen in Egypt. And of course, in verses 26 to 31, uh, it reads here, uh, Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, The dreams of Pharaoh are one. God has uh, shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good heads are seven years. The dreams are one. And the seven thin and ugly Cows uh, which came up after them are seven years, and the seven empty heads blighted by the east wind are seven years of famine. This is the thing which I have spoken to Pharaoh. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Indeed, seven years of great plenty will come throughout the land of Egypt. But after, the, after them, seven years of famine will arise, and all the plenty will be forgotten in the land of Egypt, and the famine will deplete the land. So the plenty will not be known in the in the land because of the famine following, for it will be very severe. So here, Joseph interprets a dream and reveals uh, that it is indeed a prediction of what is to come. Uh, here, what I see, besides the fulfillment of God's promise, is that Joseph is and has been doing God's will. If he hadn't been, if he had any sort of issue with his, you know, his, his relationship to God or if he had been even compromising in the least, 
I don't think he would have been able to interpret that dream. He would have been in a, a spiritual state that wouldn't have allowed him to, to uh, serve God that way. Now remember, we're not perfect. We can't possibly be perfect. But if we're constantly reminded of our commitment, right, our behavior in Christ, we can still have a good time, have fun with your friends and everything else, but just remember who you serve. Um, I think Joseph, by virtue of his ability to not compromise and, and, and to remain faithful to God, was able to uh, interpret Pharaoh's dreams. Uh, he's being used to God's glory without any issues. So, again, I point it to you young men, my young friends here. Uh, are you being used by God in these prime years of your life as you approach them or if you're already in them? Are you being used... Um, and the older men, are you still being used of God, even though those years have passed? Mm-hmm. Tonight, I think, is a night where we all should examine ourselves and ask ourselves, are we still doing what God wants us to do as believers? Uh, and then as we move to verses 37 to 45, okay, that's not too bad. 37 to 45, uh, uh, 32 to 36, I apologize. It says here, uh, and dream was repeated to Pharaoh twice because the thing is established by God and God will shortly bring it to pass. Now therefore, let Pharaoh select discerning and wise, a discerning and wise man and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh do this and let him appoint officers over the land to collect uh, one-fifth of the produce of the land uh, of Egypt and seven plentiful years. Uh, and let them gather all the uh, food of those good years that are coming and store the, store the grain under the authority of the Pharaoh and let them uh, uh, keep food for the cities, in the cities. Uh, then the food shall be as a reserve for the land for the seven years of famine, which shall be in the land of Egypt, that the land may not perish during the famine. All right. So he, this is pretty wild because you think about it. Uh, kings and rulers are very prickly. Right, they, 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 you, you show impudence if you even suggest something to them. And here we see young Joseph, and I say young because he's 30 and he's younger than I am. Um, <clears throat> the dream, as it's repeated twice to Pharaoh, because it's a significant prediction that God is about to uh, implement, um, we hear, we, here we see Joseph go beyond interpretation, again, to making a suggestion to Pharaoh. Obviously, that required some some faith, some courage, that he wasn't going to get his head chopped off, right, for, for uh, daring to suggest anything to Pharaoh. Uh, but the Lord is using Joseph, and he accepted his suggestions. Okay, <clears throat> When we doubt ourselves, I would suspect that we're doubting ourselves because we know we're not entirely walking with the Lord. I've gone into the department chair, and made suggestions. I wasn't afraid to. I knew that I had been a good example. My, my reputation was such that uh, everyone knows Andrew's always smiling. And then sometimes they ask me, why are you always so happy? I say, it's the Lord. And they're like, oh, okay. I talk to you later, Andrew, right? But I've gone in there and offered suggestions. And, you know, the chair's a good guy. He says, yeah, let's try that. And some have worked, some have haven't, right? But I know that I can operate with confidence. Right, and my reputation is clean, praise God. You know, at Cal State LA. And same with Joseph. He was he used to say, Hey, look, here's what you need to do. Um, Joseph's suggestion was threefold. Point the discerning and wise man to oversee the land, 
Secondly, place men under his authority. And lastly, put the food in storage. So, how does God use you out in the world? Wherever you may be, in whatever capacity you function, how does God use you? Are you a go-to guy? Someone that people can trust? Right? Or do you get overlooked because they're not quite sure if they can trust you with anything? I mean, it happens. We, sometimes we are slandered unfairly. But for the most part, if we are righteous and stand up, God will protect our reputations. Even if there is a false accusation, He'll take care of us. We, someone will hopefully get, uh, overcome it. Um, are you able to offer suggestions and affect outcomes with a godly perspective? Okay, so how, how again, how you operate. And then as we see in verses 37 to 45, Pharaoh, he's not a dumb guy. He says, um, so the advice was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all his servants. And like, hey, that's a good idea, right? And Pharaoh said to his servants, uh, can we find such a one as this man in whom, this, in whom is the spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, inasmuch as God has shown you this, all this, there is no one as discerning and wise as you. Be careful with that sort of flattery, right? Hmm. And then he says, you shall be over my house uh, and all my people uh, shall be ruled uh, according to your word. Uh, only in regard to the throne, I will be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, see, I have set you over the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring off his hand and put it on Jonah's hand, or Joseph's hand rather. And he clothed them in garments and a fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. <clears throat> Uh, and he uh, and he had him ride in the second chariot, uh, which he had, and they uh, cried out before him, bow the knee. So uh, he set him over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without your consent, no man may lift his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name, uh, that's uh, Zaphnath uh, Paniah, and he gave him as a wife, uh, Asenath, uh, the, the stepdaughter of Porti Pharaoh, uh, priest of On. So Joseph went, uh, was sent out all over the land of Egypt. So things move quickly here. Right? And again, remember, don't doubt God's timing. There is, an issue, there is a reason why things moved as quickly as they did here. They may not move for you as quickly. So keep that in mind. Now, Pharaoh is obviously impressed by Joseph's skills and appoints him to a high position. And in actuality, it is God who appointed Joseph to that position. Mm-hmm. Um, same with whether you get a promotion at work or what have you, right? Always remember that if you are exalted in any way in this earth, uh, make sure you give the glory to God, okay? Whenever I am granted another contract, I know it's not because of me. I know it's the Lord took care of me. He uses me. He's given me the skills, but I give him all the glory. Yeah? Um Joseph is then given the trappings of an authority figure. He's given a new name. Men actually bow to him. And he's given a wife of a high-ranking priest. Um, And again, this is not what obeying God always produces. Let's not fool ourselves. These were the blessings unique to Joseph and his position in Egypt. Right? Um, It's not about prosperity or wealth. Hey, don't think, okay, if I serve God according to this, I'll be treated like Joseph. No, you won't. It all depends on what the blessings have God, God has for you, and it's very personal. Hey, 
if you're looking at it as a way to become prosperous, as many have, right, and have spread that false gospel, then there are going to be issues. Stay humble. Whatever the blessings God has for you, enjoy them. It may not be that new Jaguar. <laughs> it may just be that it is a better attitude. Who knows, right? But always give God the glory for all the blessings in your life. Um, it's actually about being humble and letting God be exalted to us, through us, as a light to the world, the dying and the lost. And again, that's how I approach my classes. You know, as angry as they make me sometimes, I remember that if every one of those kids, I don't know which the Christians are, who, who there are even any Christians, I'm always reminded of the fact that one of those little ones in my classroom, you know, if they were, if they were to perish and they don't know Christ, they're gone. And you get to... You like your kids. After 10 weeks, spending 10 weeks with those kids, you, you, you grow to like them, even the troublesome ones. Right? And more and more do I pray for them. You know, and it's, uh, you know, I, and admittedly, I mean, I, I try to pray for them by name. I'll, I'll have the roster in front of me. I'll just pray for each one. And most of the time, I just say, bless English 95, section 6. You know, <laughs> Lord, thank you. Right? Because sometimes time is of the essence. But I do pray for those young people. Yeah, and, I want, and I wish I could pray for them before an exam or something. But again, sometimes I'm, I don't know how it works in the classroom, but now that I know I can do it in my office, that's good. I'm very happy with that. Anyhow, look at, I isolated verse 46 because this is kind of been what I've been leading to. And it says, Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went throughout the land of Egypt. Again, uh, Joseph is 30 years old. Uh, and again, what some have surmised at the prime of one's life. Uh, some of you, again, are approaching the prime of your life. Some of you are in your, the prime of your life. And some of us, like me, are past the primes of our life. But what we need to grab from this is that God has indeed used Joseph mightily in Egypt. And that's pretty wild when you think about it. Because by the time he, he's reunited with his brothers, right, he's more Egyptian than he ever was Hebrew. He's completely transformed. So it matters not what stage of life you're in, my friends. Um, at whatever age, if you serve the Lord faithfully and without compromise, He can use you. Okay, He can use you here uh, at church. Maybe just picking up, you know, trash in the parking lot. Do it unto the Lord. Right? Or as a indentured servant in the bookstore, like me. Right? Do it unto the Lord. <laughs> he never gives me a day off. Yeah, Henry never does. Yeah, I think I've been working, what, 12 years straight now? <laughs> he probably figures I'll defect to another church if he lets me. Yeah. But I won't. This is my home. Anyhow, well, I'm not going to read the final 10 verses, but suffice to say, when we're looking at them, Joseph goes about his tasks, okay? And he prepares for the coming drought. He, does, he executes very faithfully Pharaoh's commands. Actually, the suggestions that he gave Pharaoh, he's you know, act, uh, acting on them. And he does so well. And he also, in due time, has two sons, right? two kids. So, again, if we look at the whole idea of 27 to 35 being the prime of your life, and in most cases, some men are you know, established in their career, and some are married with children and what have you, then, you know, Joseph is right. We're right in that little section there. And again, I, I approached it for this because I thought that it, it is significant. 
This is a young and able-bodied Joseph, capable of carrying out the responsibilities that Pharaoh has uh, tasked him with. Uh, but again, uh, when I look at myself, again, I didn't have a prime of my life. Um, I was pretty much a slacker for uh, most of my life. That's just was. I mean, you know, I was a mediocre bass player playing whatever band I could play in. Um, and I was just enjoyed things. I didn't, I didn't feel like I wanted to go to Harvard or Yale or what have you. Not that I could have, mind you, but it was reflected in everything I did. This is before I came to know Christ. In my grades, uh, there were always uh, C's and D's. Never F's, because I did enough, but there were C's and D's. And I remember this one teacher at uh, Stevenson Junior High, called middle school now, right? Uh, he came up to me and he pleaded with me in the ninth grade, first semester of ninth grade. He said, can you at least apply yourself? He says, just try to get good grades, Andrew. Just try to get good grades. I said, okay. I still remember his name, Mr. Heacock. He was a holdover from the 60s. His van still had peace and love and all that. It was what, 1979 or so? Anyway, I said, okay. In that first half of the ninth grade, I had A's and B's. I, just, I had to apply myself. That's all I did. I, my mother, Millie, taught me to read at an early age, so I did really well. What did I do the next semester? Went back to hanging out, not doing what I had to do. And I didn't get C's and D's, but I got a lot of C's and the occasional B. Right. He was quite disappointed by that. But some of you do have ambition and drive to, to, to be good at something and make sure that if you're going to pursue that, that you do your job well, whatever it is, but you, again, and without compromise, give it all to the Lord, my friends. Right. And again, whether it's if you're in your retirement or just you're not as active as you once were, whatever you do, for the family, for the neighbors, right, whatever it might be, do it unto the Lord. Give God the glory that he might bless you. Um, and as we saw, Joseph did not waste time. He was committed to the tasks set before him, and he honored the Lord with the blessings he had received. Again, are we honoring God for his providence in our lives, for taking good care of us? We should be, my friends. So, I love this chapter. Joseph's conduct as a servant and a prisoner and an and a official is a powerful witness to all of us, gentlemen. How are you handling, or how have you handled the years leading up to your, to the prime years of your life? Uh, how have you handled the post-prime years of your life? Okay. Examine yourselves daily, because we're going to have good days, we're going to have bad days, right? Where we, we blow it. Now, regardless of where you are at, let God use you to His blessing. Right? To His blessing. Don't waste your youth, young people. Give it to the Lord. Give it to the Lord. You'll still have a good time. Right? I came to know Christ at 18, but I didn't really start taking my Christianity seriously until I was about 26. Right? And while I didn't have like ambition or drive in those prime years, they were the best years of my walk in the sense that that's when I started really getting into God's Word and learning. So I may not have had prime years in the world, but as a believer, those years from about 27 to about 30 or so, they were awesome. I learned a lot. I started really focusing on what God's Word had for me. Remember this. I'll leave you with this as we begin to close. Um, that a 99-year-old man could come to Christ. Okay? A guy 99 years old. 
and then died 24 hours later. Ask the Lord to forgive him and come to know Christ and then go home 24 hours later. That one day of that 99-year-old man's life would have been the best day of his entire life because that one day was that new creation. Okay? Didn't learn everything he was going to learn, but that one day serving Christ, having committed himself to Christ, that would be the best day of his life. Why? Because as the song says, better is one day in your house than thousands elsewhere, my friends. Think of what just the blessing and the privilege we have to serve the living God. So, let us work together, gentlemen, right? As leaders, as husbands, as brothers, as uncles, nephews, young men, don't compromise. Okay? Seek the wisdom of the Lord and seek the wisdom of the older brothers who have been where you are now. Okay? Young guys who are here and older brothers, do not compromise. It is a dangerous world out there. I had, I had to do a, a, a segment on social media and I was doing research on the internet and I had to stop doing it because... It's just, it's poison. I'm not even going to do that, that, that unit anymore. I can't do it because I don't want to expose myself or learn about things that have no value to me. Social media is, well, you know, it's just, when used improperly, it's poison. It'll kill you spiritually. But older men, be careful. Do not compromise and share your wisdom with the younger men as well. Okay? Be that example to them. Joseph was used by God as a young man because he endured trials and did not compromise. We can do no less, regardless of what stage we're in. Let us not compromise. Let us be humble and allow ourselves to be used by God. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in the precious name of Jesus once more. We thank you so much, Father God, for your mercy and grace upon us, Lord. Thank you for these men, Lord. I pray for each and every one of them, Lord God. You just meet them where they're at, Father God. That if there's anybody here who is suffering illness, that you would just give them strength, Father God, to trust in you and the doctors and the medication or whatever it is they're using. Lord, Lord God, if it is your will to perform a miracle, then let it be done, Lord God. May you receive all glory. If there's anybody here who is maybe compromising their walk, Father God, is having issues with serving you, Lord God, that you chastise them now, you admonish them now and bring them back to you, Father. And again, if there's anybody here who doesn't know you, that they would come up and accept you, Lord, as Lord and Savior. And so we thank you, Lord God, for just the wonder that is your word, just the awesomeness, the awesomeness of it all, Lord. And I thank you, Lord God, for the privileges to be used by you. And may we all rejoice, Lord God, that you use us to your glory. We love you, Father God, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you. All right.